0: because we are talking about equipping the saints equipping the saints each and every one of us here know that this Christian gen even this life is warfare is warfare so we are talking about equipping the saints that you and I will be equipped to cause effect in the various sphere of our endeavor. So that if you are in the workplace or wherever you are, you will cause effect. And that effect should be multifaceted. It shouldn't be only rebuking demons in the workplace. But even the way you do your work, your boss will know that. If you tell your boss that, oh, you, you want to go to Ghana to spend six months, your boss will put his hand on his head and say, oh, my God, why? Please, please. Why? Because you do things in such a way, not because you are indispensable. When you are not there, you have somebody. But it is hard for you to be replaced. It is hard for you to be replaced. And so, when we are talking about equipping the church as an army to possess the nation, those are some of the things that you want to be equipped with. So that you know that as a Christian in your workplace, the Bible says that whatever your hands find doing, do it with all your heart, as unto the Lord and not unto man. Knowing that it is from the Lord you receive the reward of inheritance. For it's the Lord Christ you serve. And so the work that you're doing in your workplace, the job you're doing, you are not doing for your boss, you are doing for Christ. It's a form of worship unto God. If you have this at the back of your mind, if you let this mind which is in Christ be in you, then you will do the work with all ebullience and axiomatic alacrity. Nobody will have to cajole you and push you and compel you. But out of your own volition, you will execute your duties perfectly. Why? Because you know whatever your hands found doing, you, you are doing it unto the Lord. And this is where the church, as a church, we want people to come to this realization. And if you do that, that is where you'll be able to influence people. So you see that your boss may not like you but he can also get rid of you because he knows he needs you. I'm telling you. So you become a thorn in his flesh because he knows he needs you. He will know that if Augustine had been here this would have been done. And that is how we possess nations. So in other words, our lifestyle, that is our secular lifestyle, should be in conformity with our sacred lifestyle. There shouldn't be any dichotomous branching between them. That is what we are talking about, possessing the nations. That is, we are being equipped to possess the nations. That is one aspect of it. And then the other aspect is this. When you encounter any spiritual challenge, you will have the confidence and know that Christ has endured with power. So you don't back off. But you face it head on. Until you crush whatever it is. And that is another aspect of it. So, possessing the nation agenda is both physical and spiritual. And that is why I love what the youth ministry is doing. Trying to mentor and to direct and make you know that there's more in you that you can go higher in your academic work, in your profession. Because when you go higher, for instance, imagine, Steph, you become... The, the next um, Secretary of Health in America. Do you know how much influence you have? Do you know how many people you can influence to come to Christ? It's amazing, mind blowing. And that is why we need you, especially the young people, we need you to study hard. Steady. Put your head in the books. Erica, steady. You are not studying for yourself, you are studying for the kingdom. So as a child of God, you, 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 you study hard, you, your coursework is on point, and then you aim high. Don't aim, if you aim this level, you are being lazy. I'm telling you, you're being lazy. That is absolute indolence, which is not accepted in the kingdom of God. So wherever you, are, you go, listen, it doesn't matter what profession you choose, but whatever area you choose, aim to the top. Aim there. Because when you're on top, you'll be able to what? Influence that. But if you are down, forget about it. That is why we, when, when we, 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 we want you to, to study. When we, and when you get the opportunity and find yourself in a workplace, you do your thing diligently. So that there will be no need for you to come and say, I need promotion. Lord, promote me. I claim it. You claim what? claim promotion, like that. You are diligent. You are on time. Your boss entrust something in your hand. You get it done. Everything is on point. That? So when the position opens, they will say, this guy is the one that we should give to. Because if I am a CEO of a company, I want my, my, my company, what? To do well. So I will entrust certain duties to certain people. I know they'll be able to handle it for me. So, please, this Christianity of praying in what I heard a term last week. My friend said, "Oh, that is gemiosis. I said, "I like that." Okay, that praying out of thing, and then you go, and then you are just praying to claim. To Since you we started claiming, why? Because God is a God of order. You can't don't do things anyhow and expect because you have just fasted and you have prayed. Somebody should give you a position. No, God will not even let you give it because if you give us a position, you are going to ruin the company. The company will collapse. People become unemployed. And so God will not put you there. He won't. So, people of God, let us understand what we are doing. Let us understand it. Christianity is very beautiful when you understand it. It's amazing. It's very liberating. But if you don't understand it, and then you are just doing the anyhow, then you are calling prophets for oil to drink, use some of suppositories, you put every suppository in your body. And you'll still be where you are. Because You are not doing according to the pattern of God. Are you understanding me? Okay. Jesus has come to die. He's given us a table. This whole Christianity and the blood of Jesus and whatever. In summary, what is it? What is it? we were with God. Then out of disobedience, we were separated from God. But because God was love, he wanted us to be reconciled. Nothing could appease God except the blood. He was using goats, bulls. And so people say that Those things, they did not take it away. They just covered it. And at the right time, Jesus came. And because he was somebody that was not born of man and woman, but was born of God, he had the power to be able to take away, to put us back. The bridge that was between we and God, Jesus had to, the gap between Jesus had to bridge it. Because he was the only, only person that qualified. So he has come, now he has put us together. Now, listen. The fact that the cross gives us access to God, does not mean that the cross is is giving it like this. Yes, it's the fact that the cross gives us access to God does not make sin acceptable before God. I'm repeating it. The fact that the cross gives us access to God, gives us grace, does not mean that the cross endorses our sins. The cross doesn't endorse it. So let let us not think that, oh, Jesus has come to die. I have my salvation. I'm going to heaven. And so I can do whatever I want because after all, it's not by works. Yes, everybody knows it's not by works. But the moment you think that it is not by works, but it's the grace of God, then we take it as if because of the grace, the cross accepts our sins as a normal. It's not true. It's not true. And so anytime we come to a less table, here, one thing that we should actually reflect and remind ourselves that how am I treating the grace that has been given to me? How do I treat it? And another way that we should also see that I told, I think, I, I forgot, to, maybe Priscilla is the one I, Another thing that we should also know is that the cross takes away our judgment. The judgment it takes it out, out. But the cross does not take away our responsibility for revering Christ. It does not take it away. So let us not think that oh I'm saved and I'm going to heaven this, this, this so I don't have to revere Christ. It is not true. It is not true. As a matter of fact, when I think of it, it it doesn't really make sense to me. So please, let us know that we are saved to do good works. We are—that is the reason why we are saved. We are saved to do good works. We are saved to do good works. And, and that is what? That is our faith in God. Our faith in God should be manifested in our love towards our people. So if it's true that I say that I love, I have faith in God, I'm a man of faith, I believe in Jesus, then my faith in God should be manifested in the way I treat you. It should be manifested. So I cannot just say that, oh, I have faith in God, I believe in God. And that's it. No. It has to be demonstrated. And it is demonstrated in between and amongst ourselves. And that is why if I say I have faith in God, then when I see somebody's iPhone here, I can't take it. Because if I take it, I'm causing harm to my brother. And I have to show love to my brother. As a result of my faith in God. So I cannot take the iPhone. Why? Because it doesn't belong to me. And if I take it, the one that belongs to is gonna the whole day, his whole day is gonna be messed up. Take oh, where's my phone? Oh my god, I messed my phone. This this this, this. How am I gonna get my god, I've messed my brother up for the whole day? What's in my finger and my imagination. I am celebrating. They go, I have a a new iPhone. Oh, I'm I'm lucky. And some of us will go and say, oh, I thank God that he gave me an iPhone. It has to be coupled with actions. Our belief in God must be coupled with actions. It must. And so if you read Hebrews chapter 12, this is what the man of God said. He says that we should strengthen the hand that is hanging low and the feeble knees that you should make straight path for our feet so that even the lame, when the lame is passing on it, he will not miss the road. But rather, you will be healed. Then he said we should pursue Peace with all men and holiness, without which nobody can see God. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace. Which means that if you do not take care, you will fall out of grace. It is clear. you fall out of grace, you don't take care. You will fall out of grace. That's Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15. So let us come to this understanding that there is a responsibility on us after salvation. So it's not like we just eat and then a croquet party and then we just say, hallelujah, hallelujah. No. We need to be demonstrated. But how are we caught? When we were doing the Bible said this, I asked a question. He said that why is that we heard this, this, this and we are still have this vanity of mine. Why? He asked. What? How? Why? The way he asked the question, you see that the thing, the brother, the brother. And that is why I made us quote Ephesians chapter 10, 6, 10 hours. And I like this part. Put on the hood, The helmet of salvation. Put it on. If after I've been saved, okay, if after I've been saved, I am sure going to make it. God knows that. Listen, Andy, I've saved you. Why would God still ask you to be put on a helmet of service? Because whether you put it on or you don't put it on, you are saved. So it does not matter again to put it on. The reason why he tells us to put it on is because if you don't put it on, something will hit it and then you'll fall off. I've been doing research for some time now because there's a young man that I just want to. So I've been reading because his source of his points is from Calvin, John Calvin. So I went and read about John Calvin, to see what Calvin did, believe not only Calvin himself. Okay, John Calvin himself, when he was in uh, Switzerland, he was put there. He made a law so much so that the whole place they were not selling alcohol because he found himself among the lawmakers, and he insisted that alcohol would not be sold in the town. Could you believe that? And he insisted that when people were meeting to have fun. They should be reading the Bible. They should be reading the Bible as they have the fun. He was one moralistic guy. So then, my question is like, okay, if this is what Calvin believed, then how come his statement, yes, 400 years later or 300 years later, because this is in the 15th in Europe, how come his statement has been made understood by his followers? Because there's no way a man who believes in moral upstanding should make a statement like, once saved, forever saved. That it means that, you no, know, what he's saying, he doesn't mean it then. So then my, okay, what is it? So upon my reading, then I came to understand it that Calvin believed that there is the elect, as the Bible talks about, the, the elect, and the people that are not of the elect. And he claimed that those of us that are not of the elect, we should work hard so that we'll be accepted. But he says that once those who have already been part of the elect, they're good. And that is why he made that statement once saved, forever saved. Like, oh, okay. So Calvin was saying that once you are part of that elect, I don't know whether the elect was talking about the 144 people in 144,000 in Revelations or whatever. When you are part of the elect, you're good. But those of us that are outside elect, we rather should work hard in order to be accepted. So if he makes that statement, then I'm like, okay, okay, then I understand why he made that statement. And that is why we should really be careful of the things that we say because when we are not there, somebody will not understand what we really meant and take it to, to mean something else. That, this thing is something, some of these things is what has caused a whole lot of commotion and stuff like that. Some of them break walls and, because the people, the statement was made, but people did not really understand you meant by that statement. And then, when later on you are dead and gone, it becomes a problem. It becomes a problem. So people of God, putting on the helmet of salvation, to protect your head, the, the things you believe, protect it. And then, you put it on so that distractions. The things, distractions. Second Corinthians chapter. What? Ten? Yeah. chapter ten, verse three downwards. It says that though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. Through a pulling down of strongholds. And what? Casting down imaginations. Some of the versions say that, casting down arguments. And every high, break down, every high thing, exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. And to put into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Why was Paul saying that? Paul was talking about the fact that opinions, convictions, and feelings may humble you. Listen, get this straight. If anybody is able to sell an idea to you to capture your mind, he will control you. Anybody, if anybody gives an idea, gives you information, whether it is right or wrong, and you hold it, the person has control of you. And that's what the enemy did in the Garden of Eden. He didn't, he didn't hustle, he didn't cajole. No, 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 no. That's what he did to Eve. He, he, he just gave Eve an information. And then, what if to struggle with it? So immediately, if accepted that information, that was good. He got it. He got it. And so, opinions, convictions, feelings, informations, you need to analyze it and critically kill. You don't have to, listen, not everything that intellectually makes sense is right. Yes, if I subject you guys, some of you guys, to my um, old school platform, some of these medical doctors and the professor on there, I'm told they're going to confuse half of you. Why? Because they they, they are they they, they they learned. They are intelligent people, and the way they will put it, it makes intellectually sense. But I looked at, it, I say hey, you're wrong. I can't tell it. So not everything that is intellectually sound is correct. And intellectuals are the most easy people to deceive. You know that? Do You know that? Intellectuals, we are the most easy people to deceive. All that you need to do, find something wrong theory and put it in very nice and attractive ways for it to make sense to the Intellectual receptors. And they would look like, oh yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Oh yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I heard this from sao uh, And it's true. When I'm like, this is true. So give intellectuals anything. All that you need to do is put it in an intellectual box so that they hear it and then it will make sense to their intellect. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's right. Convictions, opinions, they are dangerous. You need to subject it into critical thinking and analysis. Because the Bible we read is not meant to be logicized. But normally, people take it as, what's the logic? Oh, okay, so do you think that this and that? No, it's not about what I think. It's about what it is. Our thoughts don't matter here. It's about what God is saying. Remember, if I subject Naraya to Lee algebra, calculus 3, the will tell me that it doesn't make sense. And of course, it really makes sense. Because she will not be able to comprehend at that level. So it makes sense. So not until we develop our spiritual level. To certain things, I'm telling you, certain things about will not make sense. But as you keep reading the Bible, keep praying, helping the Holy Spirit to give you more insight to certain things, you think we don't have questions? Come and let me sit there and I will see the kind of questions I'll be asking you. We have questions. But you have to understand that you have questions because you have not been able to develop your spiritual man to a certain level for him to understand it based on the revelation given by the Holy Spirit, and so you're going to have questions. But as you take your Christian level one after the other, one after the other, you are reading the Bible, you you praying, you see you see that a whole lot of things will start making sense to you. But if you want to use this intellect intellect to understand Scripture, uh, 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 uh. First Corinthians chapter two. Verse 9, Andy, you know that scripture, right? Quote it down. Let me see. Eyes have not seen, uh-huh. Ears has not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of men the things that God ought, prepared for them that love him. But unto us has God revealed by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. And the verse 11 says that, for nobody knows the, mind, the, the things of a man except the spirit of that man. Likewise, the things of God knoweth no man except the spirit of God. But we have just received a spirit not of this world, but of God. That we will know the things that are freely given to us. Which things we speak, not in the words of man's wisdom, but in the things that the spirit himself teaches. Comparing spiritual things with the spiritual. Comparing spiritual things with the spiritual. For the natural man cannot understand the things of God. Why? Why can't he understand it? Because it's foolishness to him. He wouldn't. So he wouldn't accept it. So it's foolishness to him. Neither can he understand it because what? It is spiritually discerned. So it is by the spirit that the moment you reduce it, To the physical, to debate it. It wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense. So it is by the spirit that we understand scripture. Convictions. Opinions. If you don't take care, it will blow you away. Because it will make it hard for you. So put on that helmet of salvation. Put it on, put it on. Protect. Protect it. Protect it. It is important. Pro- Protect it. And listen, as Adagofi said, leading this Christian life of wholeness and righteousness is not hard. And it's not hard. It is hard for us. You know why? You know why it's hard for us? Steph, you know why it's hard for us? Hmm? You know why it's hard for us? It's hard for us because we think it's hard. Once you know that you think something is hard for you, it will be hard for you. And that is why it's it's hard, and you continue to be hard. But if we put their mind, this is not hard. Okay? And go to the source of the man that is leading us. I'm telling you, he'll, he'll be guiding us gradually. You see that when you go to a place that he knows that this place you fall, you see that he will take it away from you. Then you keep going. You get to a place, and then you 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 you, you get tempted, and then he will tell you, but no. And then all of a sudden it goes out of your mind, and then you go like, yeah, you have to because you have entrusted that life into God, and so you are journeying along with Him gradually, gradually, gradually. It is not that hard. I'm telling you, it's not that hard. It's not that difficult. It is a decision you make. And as you make the decision and you journey along, he'll be helping you. He'll be helping you. By the time you realize certain things that easily beset you, and certain weight that even help you, you would have jettisoned it behind you. So let us not think. Because it is difficult for some people, and so God accepts it. He doesn't accept it. He doesn't accept it. We need to know that yes, for by grace we are saved through faith. Not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works. We know. We know that. But that does not give me the ticket to treat the grace anyhow. No. That is wrong. We don't want to fall along the way. If you read Hebrews, they say Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25. It says that, see to it that you listen to the, the, that who speaks. For if they did not escape, when they refused that the person who spoke on earth, how much more do you think we will escape if we turn away from the one that speaks from heaven? How much more? If you turn away from the one that speaks from heaven, how much more? And then he says that whose voice shook the earth. And now he has promised saying, I shake not only the earth, but also in the heavens. So let us understand it. That we have to hearken him. We have to hearken him. If we say we love him, we have to be the commandments. He says he's our father. We have to follow him. You cannot tell me that your father is at a kwame and then every day since you were born in his house, anything your father says you, you trade away. It's a you throw it away, it's that way. What do you think it will happen to your father? People of God. Let us revere Christ. We need to revere him. We need to revere him. As an appreciation of what he has done for us. We need to. We need to. Shall be one of our God, project the hymn for me. Let's sing this hymn.